Welcome to Rainmakers. Now to our host, Carl Grant. Welcome to Rainmakers. I'm here with David Carpentier, CEO of Assurely, the next generation in insurance. David, you've been in the insurance business for a while and now you're innovating. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Uh, hi, Carl. Uh, good morning. Uh, so surely what we're doing is we're building and or adjusting insurance products for changing industries. And, you know, technology, you know, traditionally has been a catalyst for change, whether it's insurance or other industries. But in the wake of what's happened in the last 15 to 18 months or so, there's not a single industry in the world that isn't required to change, adapt, and or innovate. Yeah, COVID's kind of rocked the world. And so yeah. how is that? So insurance, so just back up a little bit. Every company that that grows to any significant level requires directors and officers liability insurance. I, and I know that all too well because I was a founding board member of a bank that um, – didn't do didn't do so well in 2008 and and we were really concerned about our dno policy is is how we abbreviate it and so those policies were bought historically on relationships i know somebody who knows somebody who sells directors and officers liability insurance how has the world changed well we're diving right into insurance terms directors and officers <laughs> so i promise we'll, we'll stay away from some of the technical insurance world. yeah not everybody who's listening understands even what that is so yeah feel free should, to just explain it nor, nor nor should they need to um but yeah so certainly it, it, relationships are important um especially insurance and when change occurs when you know the word innovation starts to embed itself within an industry like insurance what does that do to the word relationship, right? And so the broker agent intermediary role, there's value propositions that are required that end up manifesting itself in the form of a relationship. And that is people want to trust who they're working with. They want to feel maybe not in insurance, they don't necessarily need to have a wonderful buying experience, but they need to know that they didn't make a mistake when they purchase it. They need to be informed, but they don't really want to deal with it. They don't need to be an expert, but they want to feel informed. They want to feel confident. They want to be able to express confidence to their board, to their vendors, to their customers, to their regulators. These are the value propositions that come out of a relationship when you're selling insurance. Now, by bringing the buying process more online, as you have, how do you keep the relationship in the mix? Well, <laughs> I'm a 41-year-old CEO. Uh, if a vendor comes to me with a non, non-digital or if technology is not involved in the transaction, it actually hinders my ability to have, to have that trust. There is a, uh, there's an expectation that uh, my life's gonna be easier, that data is going to be a part of the transaction going forward and anything I purchase, mm-hmm. whether it's car, apartment, insurance, you name it. Um, so what I really believe technology augments that and I, I believe the industry should view that as a supporting function versus a 
disrupting function. So, so I, I'm thinking about my own buying habits. And so I, I use a bank that's completely online. Um, and they, and I've entrusted them <laughs> with virtually all my money. And so I, I can, I get that, but I'm thinking about like when we were, when, when our bank was going through a, a tough time and we weren't sure if we were going to be able to sell it or declare bankruptcy or what was going to happen when, when the market, you know, cratered, we had the guy who provided the DNO policy on our board of directors. So we all looked at him. <laughs> so Correct. when, 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 you know, when, when the world falls out from underneath your feet and, and you're looking for your DNO policy and you're, you know, you're looking at who you're going to call, how are they to think about assuredly in, in that situation? Who do they call? Exactly. A human. You know, I mean, I, I could rattle off, you know, the, rattle off the, 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 the qualifications of our team, which are, is impressive from Ty Saglow to Pierce Leonard to Brian Bubinghausen to our board, um, you know, all massive, massive insurance names. Um, but again, when we go back to insure tech, when we mm -hmm. talk about technology, the word that we need to make sure we focus on is augmentation, not necessarily disruption, enablement. And those pieces of the puzzle. Again, when it goes back to the value proposition of selling, whether it's a director's and officer's insurance policy, et cetera, you need to have trust. You need to have confidence. And calling the phone and saying, hey, man, I need some help. Um, I'm in a world of hurt. Um, can you sort us out? Mm -hmm. That is something that is still done on an analog basis. And, and we don't believe that necessarily it needs to be uh, replaced, but certainly that technology can support the success metrics of that phone call. And so if I'm a startup founder um, and, and, you know, I raise, I raise a round of venture capital and all of yeah. a sudden they say, Hey, you need a DNO policy. Yeah. And so, you know, I've heard about your company on this podcast. How is the buying process different from going on the Assurely website versus calling up you know, the guy down the street, I know. It's going to be less than 10 minutes. Wow. So explain that. The digital exhaust that we create by our lives, um, the various risk management items that a company needs to go through uh, when they raise capital, um, the data exists the ability to go get that data, that information, intimately understand a certain industry sector, that all exists. Um, traditional underwriting, whether it be directors and officers, was typically leveraging finite data sets in the form of a application, utilizing underwriter judgment. Um, when you start under, understanding where those variables are with an underwriter's judgment, and start saying, okay, cool. So when you do look at this, what questions are you asking? What are the variables? Um, and you start coding those, it gets kind of powerful. On top of that, there's other risk management pieces of the puzzle from who's your accountant, who's your VC or VC firm. You know, this is not a, you know, the, the cavalier nature <laughs> that people think the VC may have or crowdfunding or any other, any other capital raising experience. People got to go through various you know, checks and balances. 
you know, the ability to leverage some of that in the form of information risk management uh, is a crucial piece of the puzzle for us. So David, this, this, this podcast is focused primarily on business development. And so, so much of what we talk about on each of these episodes is developing relationships and trust relationships and referrals. When you go to market digitally like that, how is, how is that equation different? How do you build that same type of type of trust that, that, you know, somebody out in the marketplace, face-to-face shaking hands and so forth would do? Uh, not, not anything different, right? There's nothing different. Um, and so we, we talk about how do you build trust is one is just having an intimate understanding of an industry sector of a company. People want to, want you to know that we know you, right? So going into industry segments, specific types of companies, specific types of, of, of sectors, specific types of risks and saying, we're the experts there. Here's our credentials. Uh, you know, if you fall within this, we're going to knock it out of the park. Um, that's a piece of the puzzle. Uh, also, this is something that's not going to specifically the more upmarket you go, people are going to kind of roll their eyes at this. But if you look at Bain and Dreesen's put some information out, um, a handful of other studies, uh, and this is more relevant in the personal lines of insurance, but there's a lot of studies that say over 80% of insurance consumers prefer to buy insurance from someone other than an agent. Now, when you're talking about, you know, some of the folks that, that you interact with, the insurance folks don't necessarily acknowledge themselves as, as agents, they're, they're brokers, consultants, what, what have you. But it surely largely focuses on creating partnerships with non-insurance native third parties to help them advance their core business. Um, what does that mean? Again, we are very, very, very active in the, you know, what was formerly known as crowdfunding, but the large movement of people using the internet and of technology to raise capital. Um, we digitize that capital raising process. So when you find ways of the various components and the various stakeholders that are involved in that process, then you say, hey, I can help you help your customers. And that's a tangible value proposition. That is not, hey, Carl, I know you got a bunch of companies raising capital. Um, those are people we want to sell insurance to. How about you flip them to me, buddy? And, uh, you know, I'll buy you a beer. That's not a sustainable long-term tangible value proposition. But when I can go to what we refer to as the adults in the room, if we can identify the adults in the room that are supporting capital raising, supporting online capital formation and say, hey, you bring me a value proposition in the form of risk management data customers, I can bring you a value proposition in the form of um, better form, better pricing, better process, et cetera. And there's something tangible that now brings that that entity, that third party partner, that in the form of Rainmaker, that referral partner, a mm-hmm. tangible value proposition that advances their core business because they're not in the business of selling insurance. So they so much of powerful. Yeah. So 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 much of the interaction during the whole COVID era we, we've had, you know, is not not personal. So you and I are in the same town right now <laughs> but we're you know we're not in the same room and so I, we've gotten accustomed to meeting people digitally and having trust relationships built digitally and and the whole kind of notion of an influencer 
out there has really proliferated. Is that kind of what you're seizing upon? Uh, if we could take the word or the, the stigma off the word influencer um, to what it is today, which is, you know, a clickbait driven uh, Instagram social media. Yeah, I'm not thinking about the Instagram model. I'm thinking about, you know, business influencers, people who have credibility. Yeah. And so that's, it goes back to tangible value propositions, right? And so when you say credibility, what does that turn into? Um, but certainly the answer is yes. Um, at what level can we impact an influencer versus a core business stakeholder, right? So if, uh, if an attorney, would you view Cooley or any other securities attorney as an influencer or a key stakeholder of somebody who's raising capital? Yeah, pr probably more of an influencer. You know, the okay. stakeholder would be the venture capitalist. Okay, then, then yes, the answer would be yes to the stakeholder. Or I'm sorry, the influencer, I apologize. Okay, all right. So, so it makes sense that we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember how we can, I guess it was, it was Tim Donahue who connected us. Yeah. Another, another one of the uh, more highly listened uh, participants on this, on this, uh, uh, we call this a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was a guest on this podcast, but I actually physically met him. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a hybrid model here. Tim you know? and I became friends here in town. Um, um, as you know, I'm, I'm new to Austin. We, we, we founded the company and, you know, I, I was in New York for 12 and a half years. Um, and uh, early on in Tim and I's friendship, I kind of, you know, floated his name to a couple of people and one person in the real estate world. Oh yeah, he's a big hitter. I yeah. gave him that legitimate blush out of his Irish. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if somebody's listening to this and they want to, you know, they want to check out your product, possibly buy, how, how do they reach you? Yeah, there's two ways. Um, there is the old fashioned way of knocking on our door at assurely.com and, and getting to us. Uh, the primarily, in honestly, there's more value for everybody involved is accessing us through your attorneys, through if you're utilizing some type of software to raise capital, manage your cap table. Um, coming through us, asking your, the Carla Grants of the world, hey, do you know a Shirley? Can you introduce me? They're going to get um, a lot of benefit coming that direction versus coming to our website directly. That being said, there's a lot of folks that still come to us directly and then we'll go access the Carls of the world on their behalf uh, to ensure that, you know, everybody's aligned. And one last question, David. So if a young person's listening to this and they're thinking, I want to be an innovator in an industry like you have been, what recommend, re recommendations do you have for them to prepare themselves to do what you've done? Ask questions, ask why. And the first time somebody says, well, that's just, because the way it's always been done, write that down and just dig in. Because if, that, if that's the case, that means there is an innovator's dilemma sitting within a stakeholder that's not adding value. Great advice. David Carpentier, founder of Assurely. Thank you. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on Rainmakers. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe. Please write us and share us with your friends. Thank you. You have been listening to Brain Makers with Carl Grant.